0: You are now listening to British Murders, the True Crime podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to British Murders, the podcast that focuses exclusively on British murder cases and serial killers. I'm your host Stuart Blues, and this is the ninth episode of season six. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode focusing on the crimes of Yorkshire double jeopardy killer Gary Allen. We've more of the same this week, but before we get there, let's break the ice a little bit. As always, the show's opening icebreaker segment is this. Welcome to Daddy Facts. Here is this week's Dad Fact. Always stand up when you go to shake someone's hand. It's just polite, isn't it? A lot of debate over handshakes. What's the correct handshake? firmer the better, if you ask me. This week's case was suggested via Messenger by listener Kylie Higgins. We're in the market town of Rugby this week, which is located in the West Midlands County of Warwickshire. Here are five quickfire facts about rugby. The game of rugby was invented in none other than rugby. The sport is said to have originated at Rugby School in Warwickshire in 1823, when, during a game of football, William Webb Ellis decided to just pick up a ball and run with it. Number two, Rugby is a birthplace of the jet engine. In 1937, inventor and serving RAF officer, Flight Lieutenant Frank Whittle, built and tested the world's first prototype jet engine at the British Thomson Houston Works in Rugby. Number three, Rugby has a clock tower. Built in 1887 to commemorate Queen Victoria's Golden Jubilee. The Rugby landmark became a grade 2 listed building on September 3rd, 1976. Number 4. Rugby School is one of the oldest independent schools in Britain. Founded in 1567, at least two centuries of Rugby's history are written in the stones and other monuments of tradition that stand around the school. And number 5. Rugby got its name in Saxon times. One theory is that it derived from an old Celtic name, Drocbrig meaning Wild Hilltop. Viking influence then led to the name evolving into Rugby, and by the 18th century it had become Rugby. As of the 2011 census, the estimated population of Rugby was 70,628. Let me quickly advise you that this podcast contains elements that may be alarming to some listeners, including the murder of two very young children this week. As always, listener discretion is advised. Whilst researching this case, I stumbled across a disturbing report published by the NSPCC in December 2021. The report is named Statistics Briefing Child Deaths Due to Abuse or Neglect, and as its title suggests, it looks at the data and statistics available about child deaths due to abuse or neglect. It's not light reading by any means, and certainly not something you want to read before bed on an e reader but it's extremely eye-opening and relevant to this week's case. In the last five years, there was an average of 58 child deaths by assault or undetermined intent a year in the UK. One child is killed weekly in the UK, with children under one being the most likely age group to be killed by another person. What struck me as the most frightening stat was that 27% of child homicides are caused by the child's parent or step-parent. This week, our villain is one of those parents responsible for creating the aforementioned data. Her name is Louise Porton, and at the time of this story's events in early 2018, she was 22 years old. That puts her birth year at 1996. I attempted to find out some background information about Louise's childhood, but all I found was that on an isolated occasion in 2011, when she was 15, Louise was cautioned for wasting police time. She had no convictions before that and would have no convictions put on her record until her arrest after the events of this story I'm about to tell you. Louisa's mum Sharon, who has, since the events of this case, disowned her daughter, recalled her being a happy and loving child who, for some reason, went completely off the rails as she progressed through her teenage years into adulthood. So we had a seemingly ordinary kid who was jovial, caring and kind, Who turned into what her own mum would label as a monster? Where did it all go wrong? I'll leave that for you as an audience to decide. Our timeline starts right at the beginning of January 2018. Like most young adults, Louise was obsessed with her phone and was on it constantly. She was a frequent poster on Facebook, sorry, Meta, and other social media sites. All of her accounts have since been deleted but there's a load of screenshots online that show Louise's horrific posts, so I'll place some on the video as I progress with the story. Louise was, in her own words, a part-time model, working under the stage name Lollipop, with a Y. She advertised her modelling services on websites such as Purpleport, the world's best website for freelance models. Their words, not mine. I'm not familiar with the different terms used for the various modelling shoots you can do, but Louise was certainly more into the erotic kind. One of her online modeling profiles stated, I'm an easy person to get along with. I've modeled for about two years now. I work for pay or trade, depending on assignment. I'm open to all types of photo shoots, so just ask me and you never know, I may say yes. If you wish to see pictures from photo shoots that aren't on my profile, please ask. Let's break down that profile. She's been modelling since 2016, by all accounts, since she was 20, and she states she works for pay or trade. Trade is the key word there. Louise would regularly perform sex acts on her photographers in exchange for extra cash. Hence the open to all kinds of photo shoots, you never know, I may say yes, part of her profile. I reckon when she says you can request photos not on her profile, she probably means nudes. She would often send erotic photos to people she met on dating sites in exchange for them sending her money to go shopping with. A cousin of Louise's said she believes that Louise is addicted to sex and would stoop to any length to get cash from people. In her cousin's eyes, there was always something a little off about Louise growing up. She was said to deliberately try and hurt the other kids in the family without the parents being privy to it. One key act of cruelty came when Louise refused to visit her dying grandma in hospital, despite being told she only had 24 hours to live. I don't think she even attended the funeral. She was treated as a bit of a pariah after that. Another site Louise frequented was Meet Me. Founded in 2005, Meet Me has originated untold numbers of chats, shares, good friends, dates, romantic relationships, and even marriages. Again, their words, not mine. Sites such as that and Badoo, 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 another dating site were where Louise met most of the men she would go on to meet for either erotic photo shoots, cosplay stuff, or sex-related activities in exchange typically for cold hard cash. A few of the people who have met Louise on such sites have said the following about their exploits. One said that after having already agreed to a photo shoot, Louise offered to perform sex acts on him for a reported £300, adding that he could do whatever he wanted to her. Louise said, tell me how much you put in and I will do pictures. If you put enough in, we can meet up and I will fuck you. Another photographer said he'd already heard of Louise's reputation before working with her. He said, I'd heard a lot of stories about her, that she could be quite demanding for cash. She drove a long way to see me and she was quite upfront about what she wanted, how much money she wanted paying. We had agreed £30 to pay for her petrol but she got here and wanted more. She dressed as an air stewardess but it was weird because she wanted to be a model but couldn't wear makeup. They'd gone to an RAF base in Leicestershire for a roleplay photo shoot on a plane, hence the flight attendant get-up. You could of course argue the case that Louise was an adult and could do whatever she wanted. She wasn't breaking any laws as far as I could tell, no major ones anyway. Your opinion may change however when I explain how she was the mother of two little girls who were being neglected as a result of their mother's lifestyle. The eldest was three-year-old Lexi Draper and the youngest was 17-month-old Scarlett Vaughn. I struggled to find out any of the reasoning as to why but the girls who had the same father were not allowed to see him after he and Louise separated. Perhaps a more accurate way would be to say that Louise had banned their father, Chris Draper, from seeing his two daughters. Chris never even had the opportunity to meet Scarlett before the tragic events of this story. The ever manipulative and abusive Louise appears to have enforced that decision on Chris, who was constantly tortured by Louise as to whether or not he was indeed the girl's father. That's such a cruel thing to do, especially when she knew he was the father. I've got a few more examples of Louisa's sex life to share with you now that you may find a bit more disturbing. A man Louise was talking to admitted that on one occasion, the mother of two said he could come over and have sex with her as long as they were quiet. The reason? It was a shared room with the two girls asleep in the bed next to Louisa's. Louise also allegedly had sex with a man whom she referred to as Simple Simon in his van, whilst her kids were fast asleep inside a flat. Louise and the girls lived at Beechwood Court, a tower block in Rugby. Her former landlord recalled how Louise often spent most of her time swearing at the kids during the odd time she looked after them herself. She received a ridiculous amount of help from her family, presumably so she could go and meet men for photo shoots and or sex. The landlord, who looked after the kids regularly when they lived at her Willenhall property, said they would cry and not always do what she asked them to do. She would tell them to shut the fuck up or she would give them something to cry for. Time for the chain of events now. The way I'm going to do this is by listing off key dates and discussing what happened on each one. It's a more trivial way of telling the story, but there are a lot of dates and events this week, so to prevent it from becoming too convoluted, I feel this is the best way to do it. January 2nd, 2018. On one of the meetup sites Louise had a profile on, a photographer reached out and the two had a back and forth discussion. Later that night, the two had a phone conversation about Louise's eldest daughter, Lexi. They discussed the idea of calling for an ambulance as Lexi had had a fit and stopped breathing. The chain of events after aren't crystal clear, but from what I can make out, Louise called for an ambulance but then cancelled it after claiming her dad had arrived and they planned on making their own way to the hospital. Louise then called 111, the UK's non-emergency number, to explain Lexi had stopped breathing after a fit. All very suspicious behaviour, but the emergency services weren't to know that at the time. Eventually, Louise and Lexi were taken to the local hospital and the three-year-old was kept in overnight to be monitored. During the night, Louise sent a message to a male third party saying, Is it cash up front? Whilst the man she was on the phone to earlier sent her a message asking her if her daughter was okay. Lexi was discharged from the hospital the following morning, not long after 6am, so Louise took her home. It was later revealed that Louise had done an online search for Why a young child might stop breathing before Lexi suddenly fell ill and was admitted to hospital. January 4th, 2018. Two days after the first alleged fit, the emergency services were called back to Beechwood Court. Louise called 999 and explained that Lexi was in a, quote, deep state of unconsciousness. Earlier that day, Louise had done some online searches regarding seizures in children and their health impacts. When asked if her daughter was breathing, Louise said no, before going on to say, I think she has been sick. She is lying on her back. She had a fit yesterday. There is sick coming out of her mouth. The paramedics arrived swiftly and revived Lexi before taking her back to the hospital to be thoroughly examined. Further tests led the hospital staff to believe that the issues were being caused due to a severe chest infection. As a result, Lexi was prescribed some antibiotics and discharged from the hospital four days later on January 8th, 2018. During those four days, Louise constantly interacted with various men online. More concerned with money than her own daughter's welfare, Louise said to one contact, "She is still not right. She died for 20 minutes at 3:30 a.m., going to be in hospital for a few days. Really need funds to help me get by." Worse still, Louise made her way to one of the hospital's toilets to get some privacy so she could take some explicit photos of herself and send them to someone she was talking to online, most likely in exchange for money. They were topless photos. She also reportedly tried to arrange a meeting with said man to perform some sex acts, again in exchange for money. January 8th, 2018 This was the day Lexi was discharged from the hospital for the second time in a week. Louise used a search engine on her phone to look up the following two searches. Man commits suicide by supergluing mouth shut. Can you actually die if blocked nose and forcibly closed mouth with tape? I'm sure there were more. January 13th, 2018. More disturbing online searches are conducted by Louise on her phone. She began reading an article on Sky News about a child who died from a flu virus. She also read an article regarding how long after drowning someone can be resuscitated. January 14th, 2018. Louise, Lexi and Scarlett were seen on CCTV arriving at Beechwood Court at 5.59pm. The two girls, both walking independently, appeared to be in high spirits and completely healthy. They had been to see Louise's sister, Karen, at Central Park Brewers Fair, a pub in Rugby. That was the last time Lexi was seen alive. A few hours later, she would be killed by her own mum. At around 11pm that evening, Louise did some more gruesome online searches on her phone. This time, they included, Is it true you shit yourself when you die? How long does it take a dead body to go cold up to the shoulder? Toddler brought back to life after nearly drowning. And five weird things that happen when you die. This woman was obsessed with child deaths. It's as if she was looking for inspiration or how to get away with murdering her own kids. January 15th, 2018 In the early hours, shortly before 1am, Louise called the emergency services and requested an ambulance. Once again, she said that her eldest daughter, Lexi, had stopped breathing. Unfortunately, this time, three-year-old Lexi could not be revived, despite the best efforts of the paramedics. Lexi's skin was cold to the touch and her lips were blue. Parts of her body were stiff from rigor mortis, that's how long she'd been dead before the ambulance was called and the paramedics arrived. Louise's story was that both Lexi and Scarlett had been put to bed as normal and had settled down just fine. When checking on Lexi later that night, Louise claimed she found her to be unresponsive and lifeless, which prompted her to call 999. In reality, Lexi had been killed by Louise and her body was left in her bed for several hours before the paramedics were called. As well as conducting her vile internet searches, Louise also messaged one of her male friends and explained how the doctors had told her that Lexi was going to die. That was complete nonsense. No doctor had said anything of the sort to Louise. She was simply attempting to put in place some form of alibi and involving as many people as she possibly could. Louise's cousin recalled messaging her after hearing about Lexi's death, but Louise never replied. The cousin was devastated by the news and said that Lexi was a very sweet and lovely girl. The story will continue after these quick messages. And now, back to the story. January 16th, 2018. A series of back and forth messages were exchanged between Louise and a man we'll call Dave. Here's an extract. Louise. I'm a model but on hold at the moment. Dave. Fair one to you. Like your leg tattoo lol. Louise. Thank you. My little girl passed away yesterday so a few months break. Dave. Oh I'm really sorry to hear that. Louise. It's alright. Louise went on to accept 41 new friend requests on meet me that same day. She wasn't bothered one bit by her three-year-old daughter's death Louise also messaged another man named Scott, whom she would go on to arrange a meeting with at the weekend. The pair exchanged 95 messages between them over a three and a half hour period that night. January 19th, 2018. An initial post-mortem failed to identify any obvious cause of death. However, a natural cause was ruled out. Having said that, Lexi's death was not considered to be suspicious either. Dr. Philip Cox said that various samples were taken from Lexi, and sent away for analysis. January 29, 2018. Louise and Scarlett checked into the Rugby Hotel on Sheep Street with plans to start preparations for Lex's funeral the following day. Louise's sister joined them for the meeting, but it didn't go exactly as the funeral director expected. She recalled Louise leaving the room to either take or make a phone call and distinctly heard her laughing loudly. Not behavior I imagine you'd typically see from a grieving mother planning her three-year-old daughter's funeral. February 1st, 2018 CCTV footage at the hotel shows Louise carrying Scarlett to their room shortly before 7pm. Again, Scarlett looked completely fine and healthy. A few hours later, at 8.41pm, Louise sent a couple of WhatsApp messages to a man named Jordan. She said, Okay. I'm a right mess at the moment, to be honest. Need a friend here. Might take me in Scarlet for a drive. I need a top-up in fuel, probably in Coventry somewhere. Need to stop being upset first. Between 9.22 and 9.24 p.m., Louise messaged another male asking desperately for money. Over 11 messages in that two-minute period, she said, Any chance of putting 30 in my bank now for fuel to get my daughter Scarlet to the hospital? I will transfer it back Wednesday. She's not well if you can now let me know. I'm not losing another. I'm not losing another baby. Please, you'll get it back. The man, who will name Patrick, replied by saying, call the ambulance. Don't waste any time, hon. Louise replied, I've called, told me to make my way. Can you or not? CCTV footage can then be seen of Louise making her way out of the hotel and into her car with Scarlett in her arms. Disturbingly, It's my understanding that Scarlett had already been killed by Louise at that point in the hotel room. After placing Scarlett's tiny body in the car seat, Louise drove away from the hotel and pulled into a petrol station to fill her car up. CCTV shows Louise calmly filling her car and paying for the petrol as well as a few other items at 10.15pm. All the while, the lifeless body of 17-month-old Scarlett was fastened into the car seat as the vehicle sat on the forecourt. Shortly after paying for her items, Louise called 111, not even 999, and described how her daughter had suddenly stopped breathing in her car seat. She was advised to bring Scarlett to the hospital, which is exactly what she did, knowing full well there would be nothing the paramedics could do to save her. Scarlett was pronounced dead shortly after arriving at the hospital. February 2nd, 2018 With the further tests on Lexi still outstanding, a home office pathologist and a pediatric pathologist decided to work together to complete post-mortems on both girls. No natural cause of death was found for either child. Rather, their deaths had come from their airways being blocked intentionally. Scarlett's neck also showed clear signs of compression, whereas Lexi's murder had been completed more subtly by her killer. Bleeding was found in the soft tissue in her neck, which was said to be consistent with compression or a force likely to affect the airway. A murder investigation was soon launched after the findings were revealed. Louise's cousin had suspicions immediately. I said to my mum that something isn't right. How can you lose two babies in two weeks? It's said that Louise posted an image of her two daughters on the social media app Snapchat with the text RIP written over it within a few hours of Scarlett being pronounced dead at the hospital. February 5th, 2018 Louise made her way to the office of the local housing association to discuss her accommodation. Staying at the Rugby Hotel wasn't working out for Louise. She complained about how dirty it was and how difficult it was to cook meals. A more fixed and settled home was what she was after. During the visit, it was noted by the member of staff Louise spoke to that the young mum wasn't acting as bereaved as she perhaps should have, given she'd just lost her two young children in the space of three weeks. The member of staff said, she was emotionless given the situation that had just taken place. I asked her what would she like to do with the furniture. She yawned and said, I don't mind. There was no emotion. It is such unusual circumstances. It was almost like someone had lost their goldfish. Everyone deals with grief in different ways. That last remark is for sure true, but you'd expect more of a reaction from someone in Louise's position, surely. March 20th, 2018. Louise was brought in for questioning regarding the death of her daughters. The arresting officers advised her the reason was on suspicion of both their murders. Lying through her teeth, Louise's response when told why she was being detained was, Why would I kill my own kids? Sadly, that question would never be answered. We can only speculate as to why. In total, Louise was interviewed three times at Nuneaton Police Station before ultimately being released. I believe due to a lack of evidence. The police weren't giving up though. They knew in their guts that Louise was responsible for Lexi and Scarlett's deaths. March twenty eighth, twenty eighteen. Louise updates her profile picture on Facebook. The photo shows Louise during what looks like a photo shoot looking down to her left, with a left hand on her hip and a right hand across her lower abdomen. It's akin to the pose someone would make when they're pregnant and caressing their bump. The caption for it was, hashtag smile with a smile emoji, hashtag fuck the haters with a crown and a headphone emoji. The cover photo at the time was two separate pictures of Lexi and Scarlet placed next to each other, one of which appears to have been taken at Christmas. June 21st, 2018. Prepare to be sickened. Louise posted an advertisement in a local Facebook group called Swap, Sell, Buy Things in Rugby the post title was girls clothes the price 20 pounds louise had carelessly bundled up all of her two daughters clothes shoved them inside some black bin liners dumped them outside taken a picture of the bags and whacked it on facebook marketplace for the grand total of 20 pounds that's all they were worth to her within the details of the post it said bags of girls clothes not to 3 months 3 to 6 months, 6 to 9 months, 9 to 12 months can deliver. November 24th, 2018. Another Facebook photo update. This time it was the cover photo, however, it appears to be the same one as before when she changed the profile photo on March 28th. To be honest, she probably changed photos that regularly, it was likely a while since it had been the photos of the girls. This time the caption read Mommy's angels taken from me too soon you will never be forgotten. R.I.P. Sickening. January 25th, 2019. Just over a year since Lexi was cruelly taken from this world by her evil mother and a week removed from being a year since Scarlett met the same fate. On this date, Louise Porton was finally charged with the murders of Lexi Draper and Scarlett Vaughan after the police submitted a file to the Crown Prosecution Service. Police explained that new medical evidence had been found that pointed the finger even more heavily at Louise and she was formally charged after that. This time though, Louise came prepared. She knew what was coming eventually. Continuing to deny having any involvement in the two girls' deaths, Louise showed the police some statements she had prepared. One of them read, My children were never an inconvenience to me and I accommodated my lifestyle and personal life around them. It is correct that life as a single mother was financially difficult, but I never asked anyone for money, and any suggestion that I use my daughter's ill health or death to make any money is wholly inaccurate and wrong. I still don't know how my daughter's died, or what caused it. I maintain I have absolutely no involvement in the death of my children. Pathological liar much? January 26, 2019 louise makes her first appearance at warwickshire magistrates court march 4th 2019 louise was given the opportunity to enter her pleas for both of the murder charges she faced she pleaded not guilty to both with that a trial date was set to begin in mid-summer july 2nd or 3rd 2019 i'm not sure of the exact date louise porton's trial began at birmingham crown court it lasted around four weeks and contained an overwhelming amount of witness testimony regarding the poor character of Louise and her lack of being a good mum. All of Louise's disgusting internet searches were revealed to the jury. The paramedics gave testimony to confirm their belief that Lexi had been dead for several hours before their emergency services were even called. The fact that rigor mortis had started to set in confirms this. It typically takes between two and six hours to onset, as far as I'm aware. July 27th, 2019. It was Louise's turn to give evidence. She was adamant that she was a good mum, but admitted that she sometimes struggled to show her emotions and to form emotional attachments. She went on to suggest that she may have autism, to which the jury questioned as to whether she would be prepared to subject herself to a medical assessment. No expert was called by Louise's medical team to back up any of her claims, leaving no doubt in the mind of the jury that, there was no evidence that she suffered from any medical condition or mental disorder that might have impacted her actions. July 31st, 2019, the jury retired to consider their verdicts. They would return to the courtroom the following day with their decisions. August 1st, 2019, the jury found Louise Porton guilty of murder of both Lexi Draper and Scarlett Vaughn. August 2nd, 2019, Judge Justice Amanda Yip handed Louise a life sentence for both counts with a minimum term to serve of 32 years, less the 188 days Louise had already spent on remand in custody following her arrest. She will be eligible for parole on July 25th, 2051. Judge Justice Amanda Yip said, There is only one sentence, that is a mandatory life sentence. As with Lexi, you tried to pass her death off as an unexpected natural death you pretended you were driving to hospital. The truth is both children died because you deliberately obstructed their airways. Text messages and internet searches done on your mobile phone reveal a degree of premeditation. I am sure you were responsible for the events that led to Lex's admission to hospital. Your internet searching was sinister. You delayed calling for an ambulance until you were sure she was dead. The murder of any child by a mother involves the process of abuse and trust. They ought to have relied on their mother to look after them. It is not a case of a young mother doing something in the heat of the moment. The evidence shows calculated decisions in between the deaths you carried on as normal. Chris Draper, the father of both girls, had the following to say after Louise was sentenced. I hate Louise. No punishment will ever be enough as I will never get my daughters back. Why did Louise do something so evil to our beautiful daughters? You are their mother. The person supposed to care for them, protect and love them. They were just an inconvenience to you. How could you do this? Detective Superintendent Pete Hill said, We welcome the sentence handed to Porton. These were premeditated murders for which she has shown no remorse, and the length of the sentence reflects this. I would like to thank the jury. They diligently went through the appalling details of Porton's crimes. They saw through her lies before returning a guilty verdict. The family of Lexi and Scarlett have thanked everyone for their kind messages and thoughts. I would now like to ask that they be left alone as they continue to grieve. Louisa's cousin said, It's a shame we don't have the death penalty in this country. If you're going to take an innocent person's life, you should be prepared to give your life as well. She's taken two. She'll have a TV, she'll be given food, and she shouldn't have that. What do those poor girls get? If she comes out, she's only going to be in her 50s. It should be a life for a life. Louisa's mum Sharon said, Something snapped in her head. She became a monster. My wonderful little girl changed. She's not the happy loving girl I brought up. I no longer consider her my daughter. Multiple people called social services in the weeks before Lexi died, yet it still happened. And then Scarlett. There should be an inquiry into why they didn't do more. Who has made the decision that everything is okay with Louisa's family? and that they can be left alone. After a long wait, Chris finally organized a funeral for his two beloved daughters that took place in September twenty nineteen. Lexi and Scarlet Vaughan's coffins were pulled along by white horses. There are pictures online that Chris posted on Facebook, and to say the heartbreaking, that will be the understatement of the century. And that was the story of British murderer Louise Porton, Thanks again, Kylie Higgins, for suggesting that case. Let me know your thoughts about it in the YouTube comments or on social media. I've got five new reviews to read out this week from the UK, the USA and Australia. That means there's some accent attempts incoming. Australian Apple podcast user Hippopotapud said, Fantastic podcast. Really enjoying it. Great stories and easy to listen to. Thank you so much. U.S. Apple podcast user Kelly Y.R.N. said, As an American from Fouquet Verena, North Carolina, I just wanted to hear Stewart pronounce Fouquet Verena. I love all things true crime and all things British. I love the facts about the locations for each episode so I can learn more about the amazing country I hope to visit someday. Stewart is funny, especially when he's not sure about his pronunciations and laughs at himself. Keep up the great work, Stuart, and I will keep listening. Gotta let me know how to pronounce that place. UK Apple podcast user GamerGirl92 said, Absolutely love listening to this podcast. Love that it's not just well-known murders and you get to listen and learn about the less publicised murders. Love loading the podcast app to see a new episode. You're doing great and please keep them coming. Claire Bear Dixon recommended British Murders on Facebook and said, Easy to listen, interesting and straight to the point currently working my way through all the episodes from the start and have just started season three 10 out of 10 would recommend cheers Stuart. and tasha left the following five star review on britishmurders.com started listening to this podcast yesterday can't help giggling at the accents and side comments made absolutely brilliant host very engaging thank you so much to hippopotapud kelly gamergirl92 claire and tasha for leaving the show such lovely reviews Suppose you'd like to leave a review of the show and have it read on a future episode. You can do so on iTunes, Podchaser, Facebook, or over at BritishMurders.com. You can also leave star ratings on Spotify. If you'd like to support the show on Patreon or donate on a one-off basis, you can do the links for Buy Me A Coffee and Patreon on my website. Please continue emailing your case suggestion to BritishMurdersPodcast at gmail.com or message me on social media. You will get the episode covered, I promise. I do have a little bit of a big backlog at the minute, but I will cover them all, I promise, so keep them coming in. And when I get round to it, you will, of course, get a cheeky little shout-out. That's it for now. I've been Stuart Blues. This has been British Murders. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, cheerio!